Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. You know, Exploring Missions exists to get people to understand that once you follow Christ, you're on mission for Him. You've been bought with a price. You're to glorify God in your bodies. And the greatest way to do that is to share Jesus with others. This is Bert and and Nathan. Nathan, you know, one of the greatest ministries that churches have today uh, in, in the area of evangelism and missions is reaching prodigals because so many um, have gone through some situations, and especially at college, you know, and they drift away. Um, I, I would say that's a mission for the church, and it's very vital. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, from the very beginning, um, you know, of of the church, really, uh, there have been uh, maybe young people raised uh, in in the ways of the Lord and raised in church and uh who you know as they grow older and start making decisions uh for themselves they you know sometimes choose to walk away and um you know god's grace is uh is there not only for uh the prodigal uh child um to return uh god's grace is there for the uh, parent who uh you know gives that child to the lord and so um, the church is uh, a vital part of how God will extend that grace to uh, to these people. Not to take up a lot of time, but two men come to my mind in the Bible, John, Mark, and Demas. John, Mark left Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. Now, we don't know why, uh, but it must have been significant reason enough that Paul didn't want to take him on the second one, but Barnabas, in his caring and loving and fellowship that he had, he would do it and. Uh, John Mark, but then there's another one called Demas. Now, we don't know exactly his age, but Paul would say, Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world. So uh, this this issue of, of dropping out, uh, we don't know for how long, maybe not coming back or coming going away and then coming back. Uh, like you said, Nathan, it's in the New Testament. And so today, that's what we're talking about, and we want to share that with you. And I want to use the scripture first. It's I love this scripture, and I'll introduce our guest in just a moment, but they may shout when I read this verse. It's Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. God has come to set us free to be all that he has made us for. Nathan, I, I I really do get excited just saying that, much less believing it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we, we find, uh, those of us that are followers of Jesus, we find there's greater freedom in Christ than uh, we could ever imagine. Um, and, you know, even if we buy the lies of, of the enemy um, or the, the world is selling, of, there's freedom in turning your back on, uh, certain things, um, turn your back on God. 
um, actually, we find that's that's not freedom, and true freedom is found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're going to talk to some people today that have experienced that freedom, and we're just so excited about having them on our program today. And it's Laura and Francine Perry. Ladies, welcome. Thank, Thank you, you very so much for having okay. us. Okay, we want to <laughs> talk about where you're from. Anybody from Oklahoma is usually proud of it. it <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not quite as bad as Texas, but close, mm. you know, uh, close. But y'all are above <laughs> Texas, right? Mm-hmm. That's what, the way I understand it. My boss, uh, Stephen Black, that I work for at First Stone Ministries, he calls Oklahoma the crown of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> that would be it. And uh, love Oklahoma. It does sort of look like a hat, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it does. Yes. I thought that's a good way. Well, we want to introduce them. If you have heard about American Family Studios' new film documentary, In His Image, then you've probably heard about the Perrys and what God has done in their life. I I sit here across from them today, and I'm just uh, overjoyed with it gives so much courageous hope isn't that a great combination? Mm-hmm. Courageous hope. Yeah. It's not a weak hope, but it's a courageous hope in Jesus Christ. I've never used that. I'm going to write that <laughs> <Right>. down. And <laughs> I think preach a sermon on courageous <laughs> hope, and, and yeah. that's what it is. But their story is told in, in the documentary. And by the way, if you want to see that documentary, it's easy to access. You can go to inhisimage.movie. In his image, dot movie, and it's about an hour and 45 minutes. It'll be some of the best time you've ever spent in your life because it's a message of hope. And so today we want to start this, and people may not have heard or seen the movie or, or know about you guys. Tell us a little bit about who you are, Laura. Tell, tell us tell us who Laura Perry is. Okay. Um and my name is Laura Perry, and I grew up in a uh, Christian home and was raised in the church every time the door was open. And um, and I, I mentioned that because we have a lot of parents that are saying um, that their children that are going in these lifestyles, you know, they were raised right. They were raised in church. They were raised in a Christian home. And, you know, so was I. But um, I started to believe these lies very early in my life that I was meant to be a boy and, um, you know, throughout life just began to fantasize about this more and more and eventually by the time I was 25 I was absolutely convinced it's who I was and I began to take the hormones and go down all the legal routes had my name and gender legally changed I had two major surgeries and I was absolutely convinced this is who I was but I really began to realize after a while that my surgeries hadn't made me a man and that it wasn't real and I was devastated because I'd really believed that I was going to be a man and I finally, you know, but I I couldn't be a woman. Every time I thought about it, there was so much pain there, and I didn't even know why. But um, the Lord began to draw my heart, and he began to um, pursue me and began to speak to me in all kinds of different ways. And I know that it was a lot of the prayers of my parents and their Bible studies that they were involved in, I think is a large part of the reason I'm here. Nathan, go ahead. Yeah, that's um, an incredible story, um, and it's you know for us watching the the movie or hearing you t- today, it's it's you know we call it a story, but you lived it um, and experienced it, and um, you know the emotions that go uh, with that and the thought process that go with that, we can't necessarily you know recreate. Um, but what were some of those things that you were thinking as a as a youngster, um, maybe confused and 
um, you know, wanting to uh, be a boy, eventually, you know, taking steps toward that. Um, what were some of the thoughts, maybe the, the feelings and emotions you were you were having at that time, Laura? Yeah, it started when I was uh, really little. I was about five years old or so. And, um, you know, I I used to, to put a lot of blame on my mom. But I, I look back now as the Lord has kind of peeled away the layers of the onion. I realized the enemy really lied to me. And I really began to believe his lies. But I, I just gotten it in my head because of the the difference between the relationship with my mom and my brother and um, with me and my mom that um, maybe mom loved boys more than girls. And I began to wish that I had been a boy or thought, you know, maybe mom wished I was a boy. And so that's where it started very early in life. Um, but I just kept fantasizing about that. And, you know, I, I never told her I was feeling that way. And, you know, she had no clue. In fact, she was shocked when I told her this later. But I think that's why, you know, Jesus tells us that um, it's so important to forgive each other. And we've got to talk about when we're wounded and offended, because most kids, I think, never tell their parents how they've really hurt them. And they just bottle it and stuff it down. And then all of a sudden, one day, it's like it explodes and they don't even know. They can't even process it all. Yeah. When, when you hear this and Laura, you shared it with Francine and we were we were. You know, it had to be a shock. Uh, we have three sons, and still to this day, they're all adults, got their own families. And when they're home and they start talking about some of the things that we didn't know they did, right. uh, it's shocking. It had to be, uh, it, it had to just be astonishing to you when you heard this, Francine. It was. And uh, of course, the night she came out was the night of our 40th wedding anniversary. And that's the night she decided to tell us. Mm. And so um, it was a shock. But even more of a shock was the first time I heard her give her testimony. And I was sitting next to one of my friends. And Laura kept telling all these things that she had been doing over the last eight to ten years. And I would say, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. that that's parent, I didn't that's, know that. That's parenthood. <laughs> Part of it really is, you know. They say parents are the last to know, generally. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know? And it was just shocking to me some of the stuff that she had been doing that we had no clue. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Nathan, go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Francine, in, in watching the movie, and I don't want to give too much away, but. Um, I think I was more touched in the whole in the whole documentary just by your story, actually, of how um, God even transformed uh, your heart uh, through through uh, Laura's journey of uh, away from him and then back um, and how God even used you in that in her journey. Uh, Can you tell us just a little bit about just the transformation in your own heart that that. you know, Laura may would say it was, you know, from legalism to to uh, a love um, as a parent. You know, I'm, I worry. Do I come across legalistically to my children? I don't mean it that way, but maybe, it, you know, it comes across that way. Um, anyway, what 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 are your some of your thoughts about the change that God's made in your life? Well, uh, I was. Uh... I accepted Christ when I was eight years old, Mm. but much of my 
uh, teen years and even young adult years, it was more of focusing on my external behavior. You know, right. I wanted to be like Jesus, and so I was trying very hard to be like Jesus. And, you know, I was doing all the right things. We had our kids in church. They were in Christian school. I was the church accompanist or pianist and uh, teaching, you know, I work in vacation Bible school, doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. You know, but because I was so busy, I was not in the Word like I needed to be. Even though I would be at Bible studies, take my notes, and then go home, you know, and file them away. But um, the Lord used our uh, Laura going into transgender lifestyle. He used that as a means to really bring me to the end of myself and get myself out from under a bondage of rules and regulations trying to perform. And so uh, he clearly began to show me that I needed to humble myself before him and just surrender myself and surrender Laura and really get in the word and let the Holy Spirit begin to do a work in me. And so I say that I can look back now and very grateful for even what we went through because not only did he change Laura, but he changed me in the process. And uh, I can now say that I have truly discovered that abundant life that he came to live and that I truly had the peace that passes all understanding even in the midst of a deep dark pit which I didn't know when and how it would end but he gave me a peace that I didn't worry and fret over it and it it was a transformation in both of us it is a peace that mm-hmm. cannot be described. I can't describe it. It is indescribable. I, I mm-hmm. think that's for a reason I like one of the songs, indescribable, right. you know, you know, all those things. And mm-hmm. he is that. Yeah. And he brings that into our lives mm-hmm. through through hope that is mm-hmm. that is beyond hope, really. Mm-hmm. Laura, I, I wanted you to say, did you know your mom was praying for you? Uh, not really. I mean, I I figured they were probably praying, but I didn't think prayer had any power, you know, so I really wasn't that worried about it. It wasn't really until later that I realized, and I think the first time that I really realized how much the prayer had done, um, my, my mom told me that the ladies in the Bible study were praying that I would have a ravenous hunger for the word. And I'm like, y'all don't know how much God answered that prayer. I was so hungry for the word of God that I was listening to either my audio Bible or a Bible study teacher or some kind of Christian teaching program like that literally all day long, every day at work after, after I got saved. So there was about a year and a half between when the Lord really radically changed my heart and when I came out of the lifestyle. And it wasn't because I thought God was okay with it. I was under a lot of conviction, but I didn't know how to fix it. And so the, God was very, um, he really grew my faith during that time. And it was amazing, the transformation in me during that time. But he had given me such a hunger for the word. And I look back now, and I see there was this little breadcrumb trail that God, God had sort of <laughs> put out for me to, to lead me back home. There were, there were times that he would really intervene in my life and show me that he was um, drawing me and working in my life. And this was years before I really came to him. And so I, I look back and I know that they were an, that God was answering their prayers the whole time. Uh, one in particular, I just want to share real quickly. I had, uh, the, when I went to have my first surgery, it was a double mastectomy. And I, I know that had to be just devastating for my parents, 
But at the same time, as much as they're grieving over this, they didn't know that that was a little bit of a turning point in my life because it was after, uh, for two reasons. The first one was because my aunt had written me this letter and she had um, begged me not to do this. She said, Laura, you're being deceived by the devil. Please don't do this. You're such a beautiful girl. And, you know, as I was laying there on the operating table, I thought, what if she's right? What if I really am in the hands of Satan? What if I wake up in hell? And I began to cry and I just, for the first time in many years began to pray and I asked the Lord to spare my life. And then after the surgery, a few weeks later, I, I really began to realize that my surgery hadn't made me a man. And I that's really when I began to, it's like the Lord just began to draw me after that point. We're talking with uh, Francine and Laura Perry. They're in the movie. Their stories in in our documentary movie, American Family Studios, in his image, and you can watch that. It's in his image dot movie, and uh, I it not only moves but it, it educates those that need help. We've been able to uh, really recommend that movie to people who call in on the other program that I, I host exploring the word and they'll call in and and if I don't remember it, Devin, our producer, hold it up and say in his image and because it has a lot of hope and education in that. And one of the again, one of the missions of AFA and FR <clears throat> is to activate and educate and inform. And this this movie does. Speaking of act, activation, Nathan, I'm getting out of line here, but I wanted to bring this up. This this praying for Laura brought out a ministry that is very vital about praying for prodigals. Nathan, uh, you know, we in our family, you know, in every family that I've ever connected with, there's usually somebody out there that's they're gone astray for a while and we're praying for them. And uh, praying for prodigals, sometimes we don't know how to pray for them, do we, Nathan? No, and it, and and even beyond that, you don't know even what to do other than pray. Uh, many times, um, I've heard you, know, you and and my mom and and other people say sometimes all you can do is two things: one, pray, and then two, you know, keep that relationship open. Mm-hmm. So when you know God does work in their life and they do return there's that relationship there that they can return to. Um, and you know, Francine, it sounded like you guys did that. Um, but yeah, how would you, uh, how would you recommend a, uh, whether it's a parent or just a family member, uh, a close friend, how would you recommend that we pray for, for those that have, have gone astray? Well, in our prodigal prayer ministry, in, uh, our ladies Bible study, we began to just really take passages of scripture and kind of rewrite it and formulate it as a prayer to pray the scripture over the prodigals. And what you said while ago, uh, my husband and I actually were advised that if Laura would not change her mind about this, we could just cut her off. And that was from a Christian counselor. And uh, my husband said, no, we're not going to do that because we needed to we wanted her to know that when she came to the end of this, that she would have a place, a safe place to come, and she would not be, uh, we wouldn't uh, be on her about it, and we would not say, we told you so. Yeah. You know, and so we just kept the, the communication. Sometimes wasn't great during all those years, but it was there. 
and uh, we kept our door open. And when she did come to the end of herself, she was able to return home to the people who stood for truth. In doing that, <clears throat> did you, when you were praying for her, mm-hmm. it was always Laura and not Jake? Always Laura. Always Laura. You don't affirm who they are not. Amen. You don't affirm that. And that's not anger, and that's not judgment. That's truth. It's just standing for the truth. How did you respond to that? Well, I didn't like it very much, but it was funny. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I'd get mad, and I'd yell and scream and say, you're going to accept this, you know, or else, and um, I'd threaten all kinds of things. But it was always like, wow, that didn't work. i got to try something else. It was really about manipulating them into what I wanted them to do. I knew that they loved me. And in fact, there was one time I remember I wish or thinking, I wish they didn't love me so much because I just want to go do what I want to do. And I didn't want to be convicted about it. <laughs> you know, it was like they were getting in the way of what I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, the, the, even when my mom sometimes especially would, would call me Laura and it really wasn't intentional. I knew she was not doing it to throw it in my face or to be hateful, but she would say, I'm sorry, I, I love you. And I have always known you as Laura. You will always be Laura to me. You'll always be my little girl. And it would make me mad, but at the same time, there was something that it would hit this deep, deep nerve in me. You know, not, not, not in a, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like it was calling forth something that was buried so deep under so much pain, but there, there was something sort of grounding about it. It really kept me tethered. It was like a tethered reality to me of who I truly was, and God used that to help me never forget. Yeah. Nathan, one of the things that that has really struck me in in observing this in prayer meetings and in meetings where people really began to get honest and they're praying for more than Aunt Sally's big toe (laughs) and, and they start praying for real needs, something begins to happen, Nathan. You know, uh, we and really I found this out, um, lifestyle choices, uh, imprisonment, incarceration, and things like that are things that we really don't want to share with others because it's so painful. And I've observed that. And so to have a, a prayer box for people to have a place where they can safely drop a name in mm-hmm. because uh, I found out some of these prodigals, when they found out they were praying for them in public, uh, some of them, it, it drew them to it, and then others, it made them angry. Mm. And uh, so I think with this prayer box, uh, Francine, is does everybody know whose name's in there, or is it just God knows and everybody's praying for the names that are in there? That's right. Uh, we started it, and I just felt like, like you said, our prayer list at church is infinite with people's physical illness. And I just felt like we needed something that was more specific to all of the prodigals with spiritual sickness who needed to come back. Which is most severe. Yes. And, and you know, and for them to come back to the faith that most of them once confessed. And so uh, we started that, and it is, we have just a little slot, and we have index cards, and people can write a name on there, and they just put it in the box, and we pray over the box in general. Um, they're they're in there for all kinds of reasons, but they're all prodigals who have walked away from the faith. Nathan, when I hear that, uh, you know, a safe place, that mm-hmm. box is a safe place, Nathan. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, we we need um, the church. You know, the church should be that. And and too often, um, it gets the reputation, and sometimes it is earned. Um, where the church is uh, the last place you want to share uh, something deeply personal. Um, but there should be you know space, especially in times of prayer, for um, like real genuine desperation. Um, and that's really where we meet God in our lives is points of desperation. Um, and to think about every week we are uh, worshiping, sitting next to people and families who are in a place of desperation. Um, we need to you know, have some freedom to uh, talk about that with someone, to pray about that with someone, um, and to you know, seek God uh, t- together on the behalf of these people who, you know, have, um, you know, been deceived, been deceived by the enemy. Believe me, I did Um, not want to share what was going on in our family, but God opened an opportunity for me to begin teaching a Bible study. And part of that, he really laid on my heart that, uh, I had to share what was going on. And so I became very transparent, which was not fun, but it really opened the door for many of the other ladies uh, to share with me in a personal way something that was going on in their life with maybe their prodigal. Yeah. Because all of us act like nothing's wrong. Yeah, we, we put on our mask, and that was before we had to put right. on the mask. People <laughs> at church been putting on masks for ages, yeah. you know, on Very Sunday true. morning. We want to pray before we do yeah. that. And Francine, you're, you... We drew lots. No, we yeah. didn't. But I, I, I want to hear a parent's prayer mm. and a prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving. Would you mind leading us in prayer, Francine? Father, we just come to you. And Lord, I thank you, first of all, for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the redemption in our own life. And I just want to come to you as a, uh, a parent who has walked the journey and been through a deep, dark valley and pit of despair and felt so hopeless about choices my child was making. And Lord, I just pray that every parent out there who is listening or a grandparent, that they would realize that their first need is to surrender that prodigal totally to you and let you do the work in them. And as they do that, Lord, that they also need to get in the word and submit themselves to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit begin to work in them and change them. And I believe that uh, as I worked on my relationship with you, you were changing Laura, and Lord, we saw a miracle in both of us. And I just thank you for that so much, and I just pray for these parents that you would give them glimmers of hope like you gave me, let me know that you were working on her and there were things going on behind the scenes that I was not even aware of, but yet you were working to bring her back to you. And so we give you all the thanks for that and give you the thanks in advance for all these prodigals for whom we are praying for, Lord, that you will do the same thing in him and them. And we thank you that you are the one who does the work and you fully capable and you desire that no one perish, but that all will come to repentance. Amen. Amen. Francine, Laura, Nathan. Uh, This is one great exploring missions, and we thank God for it, don't we, Nathan? 
We do. We want you to see the uh, the video, the documentary in his image. Go to inhisimage.movie and you can see the angelic face on Laura Perry today. <laughs> yes. Thank you, guys, ladies, for being with us today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Us.